Thank you. So we wanted to uh, put aside some time for any uh, any questions, things that are on your mind. It might be something that has been said in the instructions or from one of the talks or the metta or uh, working with something that's, that's arising for you. And uh, maybe more than one of us might answer or if uh, there's something to add. So really uh, open, open to you, whatever is close to your heart, uh, we want to hear. Yeah, Josh. You mentioned that optimizing for happiness fatigues the heart. Um, I was just wondering when is good enough and when we can accept our lives for what they are rather than trying to make them better. What is, where is the point to stop? Yeah. So a question around uh, the, the way that compulsively trying to optimize our life fatigues the heart and uh, when to accept our life as it is versus make change. Um, we never, what, what we're asked to accept in our meditation practice is not our life. We're not asked actually to accept the whole of our life. We're not asked to accept all of the suffering in the world, all of the oppression and racism and poverty and war. We're not actually asked to accept all of that. What we're asked to accept is our experience in this moment We open the heart fully to how life manifests in this moment. That's that's what we're accepting. That's what we're opening to. And then once we have opened our heart to that moment, it may become clear what we can leave alone in our life and accept and what needs change. But the problem is when we don't accept this moment, we feel compelled to make changes in our lives all the time. Does that make sense? When we don't actually accept this moment, it feels like something is always wrong. Something can always get better. 
And so we're propelled into action all the time, all the time, optimizing, optimizing. And it gets fatiguing. So instead, we stay really simple. How can I open my heart fully to this moment? And then from that peace, we decide whether it's time to act or to let things be. And I don't know what the answer is. But I do believe that the equanimity, the acceptance, helps clarify. Is this working? No. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So I won't use that. (laughs) I'll just talk loud. (coughs) So does everybody know what this moment means? I mean, I know we, we say it a lot, but does everybody feel like they have a real grasp on when we say, except this moment, what that means? Is that a yes? <laughs> yeah? Okay, good. Because I, I think that's really important. Because I'll hear people, you know, I'll see on greeting cards and those kind of things, like, whatever. The present, you know, it's like, what does that mean? Like, sometimes the present is really, really, really impossible. So what does that mean, except the present, or, you know, um, present moment, or this moment. Thank you. Thank you? Am I thanking him yet? No? No. I'm not thanking him yet. Oh, wait, can I do a microphone check? One, two, one, two. Uh, so I'll, I'll just keep talking. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> okay. So when I'm experiencing present moment, what it means is, yes, there are thoughts and experiences happening in that present moment, but also what is the physical sensation of this present moment? So when I hear, when I think the word, like, I'm anxious right now, or I'm afraid right now, or I'm sad right now, those are concepts, right? Those are words of what's happening, what we feel is happening this moment. But when we get real specific with it, like if I were to ask you the question, how do you know you're afraid? That's a concept. That's a thought. How do you know you're afraid? What would one answer be? Pardon? You feel, where do you, how, where do you feel it? Okay, so some people experience fear in the chest. So tell me more about that. What's, what's the experience? Tight. Tight, okay. So there's a tightness in the chest. What else? Stretching. Stretching, like a, pull, a pulling feeling. Okay, so there's fear. Uh-huh. Like a really intense stillness. Okay, an intense stillness. So this is, go ahead. Oh, heart races. Heart races, for sure. Yeah? It's kind of like your body shuts down and you can only think about like, what you're afraid of. Okay, so tell me more about that because that, you used the word think. So I want to I hear what it feels like okay. in your body. Basically, like your hands start sweating. Perfect. Or you just kind of, um, you can't experience the outside world. You're only kind of in like the nightmare that is like your inner world. Yeah. 
perfect. There's this sort of sharp, not physically painful, but just sort of sharp feeling uh, accompanied by a cold sweat on the back of your Okay, good. So these are very present time experiences of fear. And like I had mentioned the other day, so that would be what the body does. And then our brain kicks in and says, oh, that's fear. Are there other times when you have those same, like, rapid heartbeat, sweaty palm? Sure, right? <laughs> so, so it's interesting. We can have the same sensory experiences and call it different things at different times, depending upon the story, the mind, the circumstance, right? All of those things. Our body is very predictable in ways. It does certain things when we're afraid. It does certain things when we're sexually excited. It does certain things when we're happy. It has a, a nervous system that reacts in certain ways. And so when I'm paying attention to real present time experience or this moment, it's very helpful to connect to those sensations versus the idea or the thoughts around the sensations. When I give a Dharma talk, I get very, very anxious or nervous, right? How do I know that? My heart's beating fast. My mouth is dry. My palms are sweaty. If I let just that sensory experience stop me, I wouldn't be a Dharma teacher. So I don't let it stop me. Because <laughs> I get to just experience, oh, it's only a sweaty palm. It's a sweaty palm. I can handle a sweaty palm. I can handle my heart beating a little fast. I'll drink some water for that dry mouth, right? Does, is this making sense, what I'm saying? So when we really pay attention without this huge mental story experience kicking in, so for me, my story is nobody really wants to hear what I have to say. I'm not that good. I'm not that smart. You know, let's let Matthew and Marv do it. Whatever this, my story is, <laughs> I wouldn't sit up here, and that would suck. So really paying attention to where we instantly pop out of real moment-to-moment -moment experience and what it means, the meaning we make of our body's natural reaction to fear, love, whatever. Thank you. That's an excellent question. And I, 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 yeah. So what I mean by rerouting is, I think who, somebody pointed to it this morning, how we conditionally do something a certain way. I know how to do something really well, so I'm going to keep doing it. Right? Even if... Uh, Sorry, on the fly, I'm trying to think of an example um, of something I'm really good at. <laughs> anyway, I'm not going to go that way. But what I'm referring to in terms of rerouting is if, our, if your mind, like let's say something does scare you, right? Let's say you're afraid of dogs. 
every time you see a dog, you're, all of those physical things happen, right? So your body is totally wired, even if it's not rational, to be afraid of dogs. That's a big thing to try to overcome. So let's say you're meditating and the fear of dogs comes up. And you let yourself continually think about, oh, that time that dog chased me, and I'll never, you know, I can never get married to a guy who has a dog because I'm afraid of them, and, you know, whatever. I'm just like, we can let the mind proliferate in, like, one direction. So then, if you just, kind of like what I walked you guys through, fear of dogs. What does fear feel like in my body? Okay, here's just that experience. That would be a rerouting right away. I'm not going to let my mind go down that thought train of why I'm afraid of dogs. So the rerouting isn't actually a distracting, it's actually a staying. Usually when we go down a thought train, that's the habit. Where our habit is not to stay. So that would be one way. Another way would be to have a direct experience with something else that's actually happening. So it wouldn't be like, oh, I'm going to think about a beach in Miami. It would be, oh, so what in my body is actually okay right now? What doesn't feel afraid? I'm going to pay attention to my big toe or my earlobe or something that is happening, or I'm going to turn my attention to sound. Redirecting something that's possible in the immediacy. Does that make sense? Yeah. Okay. I think if there's actually an, a pleasant experience happening that you can find, definitely. One of the things that is being cultivated is this idea of sort of wholesome versus unwholesome, which I don't always like the duality of that, you know, because then it can sound like good and bad or something like that. But if something, we tend to pay way more attention to what's wrong, way more attention right? Like in our group, we did something called Brambles and Treasures, and maybe some of you did it. The people, like to think about what you're really good at and what you like about yourself is much harder than thinking about what you suck at or what's hard in life, right? We're really good at finding out what's wrong. So what we're doing in, in directing ourselves or cultivating the wholesome is paying more attention to what's right. So in any given day or moment, you know, when, pe- when somebody says, I've had a really bad day, right, or things are really bad right now, I bet if I walked them through that day, there would be moments that were okay, right? Not every single moment was bad, but we pay attention to the overriding bad. So when you're doing the practice, doing the same thing, when you do notice neutral or pleasant arising, see if you can pay more attention to that. You know, allow yourself to tip into that. If something is really obsessively distracting and holding you tightly, there's a few different ways to deal with it. A, 
um, allow yourself to have that experience and see if you can get curious about it and interested in it without the thoughts overriding. B, to let yourself go somewhere else in your body that maybe is pleasant or neutral, like you're asking, totally okay, because that is happening right now. We just miss it. Is that anybody else have additives? Hi, I don't have anything to add. Hi. Actually, adding on to Sequoia's question, you mentioned ways to reroute it, Mm -hmm. but why is that different than just suppressing them? Because it's something that's actually happening. It's not something that isn't. (laughs) Right. (laughs) It's something that's actually happening. If we're looking at present time awareness, present moment, there's a lot happening all at the same time. Like if we're to look at our biological system happening, if we're looking at our mental system happening, you know, our respiration is happening, our circulation is happening, the weather's happening, our mind is happening, our emotions are, there's a lot going on. There's a lot of places to direct our attention. And we tend to only direct it at the mind. Does that, so then if we allow ourselves to direct it, maybe not at that place incessantly, it's not overriding or distracting. It's paying attention to something else that's there. Because we know an obsessive mind does not help us figure anything out. It just doesn't. Most of the time, my sort of true, pure, real answers come when I stop thinking about it. And when I let myself just find ease, maybe even in an uncomfortable sensation. I'll just add um, around the concept of optimizing and in relation to this discussion, another way to think about it is um, taking time to be real with our experience in the ways Joanna was just talking about is a way of optimizing in the bigger picture. And this idea that you know constantly trying to figure out what's best or what I should do and so forth is actually keeping us in a rather small cycle and we have habits around that and um, one vivid way for me to think about that is suppose that you know the technology gets so advanced and beautiful that you know we get the chips and and stuff installed in our brains and and so we just have netflix all the time and and gradually humans forget how to sleep and partly joking and partly not it would be just such an amazing rediscovery of sleep that someone might make in 200 years. And just like have retreats where we just, okay, we figure out how to, to you know, do things. These brave people 200 years from now go on retreat and, and rediscover sleep. It's not that they're like, um, they're optimizing. We need sleep as human beings. And we also need this sort of thing that we've done here to optimize. 
And so this process of tuning into our actual experience, cultivating calmness, just the things we've done, is not in any way, in my view, in conflict with being creative, being intelligent, working for social justice, you know, being a boxer, doing whatever you want to do. And yet, um, to actually know what we want to do, to actually find that, that real power of who we are involves taking time like this rather than, than watching Netflix all the time. So this came up in my small group, and I was curious to see what anyone else thought. Um, we were talking about the use of force. Um, so, like, if how do I So, if like, I guess, so it's kind of like the hindrance of like sloth and torpor, and like if you notice yourself not stepping up to do things that might be helpful, but you don't know if you're pushing yourself to, like forcing yourself to do something in um, an unhealthy way, or if it's actually skillful to really use force. And so, um, yeah, do you have any thoughts on that? Um, there was a, an episode years ago of uh, show you may know, Seinfeld, <laughs> right? And do you even know the character George? Who's like pretty, uh, the way he plays the character is kind of pathetic a little. Maybe that's, uh, and things are always going wrong. And then at some point he decides, you know, I'm going to, Every impulse I have, I'm going to do the exact opposite and see how life goes. And uh, I bring up that example because um, with those kinds of questions, I would advise to go the opposite way of your habit. So if you find you're often forcing, you're often trying to gut your way through things, you're often uh, kind of white-knuckling, you know that phrase? Uh, go the other way. And if you find that any time something becomes challenging, you look for the escape hatch and it's really hard to generate some energy. Um, maybe experiment with force. And I think we, uh, you know, this whole practice, there's no, there's no step-by-step -step guide. There's no algorithm. So much of it is improvisation. I tried this. Things got a little weird. I tried that. Things got a little weird. I came back here, and we keep experimenting.
Did you have your hand, Gabe? No? It's a little bit similar to what um, what Sequoia brought up in that um, one of my fears, and it's mostly revolving around um, anger issues, yeah. um, one of my fears of kind of turning my attention to, to what's going on in my body in those moments is that, um, is that I end up kind of suppressing it or... Um, I'm not sure like what exactly is the right term for it, but I, I, I'm, I'm fearing that I won't end up sort of releasing that anger and that it'll just kind of stay in my body. And um, I'm sure you guys have more experience with if it, if it just kind of like dissolves on its own or I'm just afraid that if I don't, I don't know, like I'm used to like lashing out or like, getting mad at myself or something like that if I don't like act on it or find even like a healthy way or something that um, I'm kind of I kind of live in fear that if I bottle follow up or at least just like trying this I, I, it makes me afraid that maybe eventually it'll kind of stockpile and then you know like the bottle will like erupt you know yeah yeah does that make sense yeah um, I'll say something that others can add. Uh, I, uh, of, of all of the kind of like challenging emotional states, anger is probably the one I have the most experience of. Like the entire <coughs> decade of the 80s <laughs> was just like, this blur of rage, <laughs> you know, uh, and um, yeah, you know, what we're it's a it's a bit of a dance and balance. What we're doing is uh, um, we're we're neither becoming entangled in anger nor suppressing. Mindfulness is like the balance point between acting it out in some way, either through kind of aggression outwards or aggression towards ourselves, that's acting it out, and suppression on the other hand of being unwilling to allow it to run through the system. And uh, mindfulness, this balance point, is a way of, um, of neither becoming entangled in the content of the anger, nor actually bracing against it and suppressing it. We're, in this way, um, bringing a kind of love to the experience of being angry that Joanna is talking about, the present moment experience, we actually bring a sense of love to that. And this is very different than stewing in the anger. It's very different than suppressing it. It's very different than resisting it. 
And it's very different than acting it out. The way it feels, the way I talk about it, um, it, who's had, who's had like a deep tissue massage? Yeah. Okay, you know how um, there's a kind of the masseuse like goes in and like finds the like tender spot in your body and they like work really hard. Maybe they've got like their elbow and they're digging into your thigh and it kills and at the same time it feels really good. You know, like you can actually taste like, oh, this kind of pain is good. <laughs> right? Versus like the pain where like maybe it's like a really bad masseuse and they've, they're like <laughs> leaning on your cheek or something, right? And like that bad pain, right? That's the pain of injury. This pain, the good pain, we can actually feel it. Like, oh, I'm bringing my mindfulness to the experience of anger. And you can almost feel like something is being transformed in that act of bringing love to, to the anger, the heart is being softened. Yeah. And on the relational side, um, as far as, so that's working with it ourselves and relationally, I've just gotten really into naming it. You know, I let people that I'm around know, like right now I'm pretty pissed off. I'm just going to say that out loud. That's how, well, that's the experience I'm having right now. Are you telling us? Uh, no, do you believe me though? Am I a good actress? And we should, um, I'm, I need I need you to know that like that's what's happening, right? When it comes with that, right now I, I'm not pissed at you. You did it wrong. You shouldn't have said that. Like that's different than just saying right now I'm I'm upset. I'm upset right now. We can decide to stay in the same company right now. We can talk about it, or we can you know maybe I need some space. But it's just a real honest and actually quite intimate way of relating to people. It's not blaming. It's not, I mean, it depends obviously who you're with. If someone can't hold and hear that, it's a different thing. Um, But I'm just saying from my practice, I've gotten really into naming what's going up. Right now I feel really super sad. You know, I'm really disturbed by that news. Um, and maybe no more needs to be said than that. But that's just my additive uh, relationally. Because my, my habit before was shut down. Shut down, walk away. Shut down, walk away. Shut down, walk away. And, and or before that was explode. You know, so I went from one extreme to the next. And so now uh, it's really more about naming. Just like conclude in my brain so like by doing that practice you're not going to end up like layering and exploding right 
No, I, I don't think so. As long as there's a sense that the awareness is holding the anger. Yeah. Um, yeah, when, when there's, a, there's a sense of, of the awareness holding, holding the anger, uh, allowing a kind of embracing the anger, that's really different than feeding it and fueling it. It doesn't mean it won't re-arise. And anger, sometimes it can be like this ember, this fire, and then there's an ember. The ember is still really hot. And may, it may only take one thought to ignite the fire again, you know? But that's part of the continuity of mindfulness. And just to put a word in for the positive features about anger, it's like there's a time and a place to explode. But we can do that mindfully too. Like uh, the, you know, the Iraq War. I have lived for years furious about the stupidity with which we entered into that war. And here it is. And I'm not that skillful with it, but more skillful people than me can bring it into the world in a way that's skillful when things are wrong. Um, uh, maybe do we have time or should we run, run? Couple more. Time for group, Couple maybe more. One, yeah okay. yeah someone who, someone who hasn't asked something yeah. or, or said something You know, I, I, I want to, maybe the word reroute is, uh, I mean, I actually like it, but. Because um. sometimes the reroute is just to pay attention. Because let's say the typical modus operandi would be, I'm in a bad mood, what can I do to get myself in a better mood? That would be, so the reroute might just be to say, oh, again, back to that question, how do you know you're in a bad mood? Right? Like, what's, what's actually going on? Oh, I just feel a little blah. I can feel blah. Like, what's wrong with blah, right? We have this conditioned thinking that we always have to be in a happy, great mood all the time, you know, and it's just like, ooh, I don't actually, it's actually hard to be around those kind of people all the time. <laughs> so there's something about just, like, being really okay with today's not a great day. And then again, if we run the story of that and making it a bad, you know, me a bad person because of it, but what's the real experience with just feeling blah? So that would be the reroute if the typical standard is to immediately reach for something to make it go away. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, so uh, Simon and any other questions, we, we've got to wrap up, but please... Uh, pull us aside. Happy, ha- we're happy to talk more. So, uh, yeah, great spending the morning with you.
So, uh, yeah, enjoy uh, enjoy small groups and uh, yeah, enjoy lunch. We'll see you. See you later.